the first three um, chapters of Ephesians, um, Paul was basically writing what Christ had been had done for us, right? He spent the first three chapters talking about what Christ has done for us, and and so now in the beginning of chapter four, he's going to be talking about what the, what in turn we need to be doing, all right? And through this whole time, he's going through trials of himself. He's being um, he's being persecuted. He's being thrown in jail. He's under house arrest. And right now, he's writing to the church of Ephesus. And so I'm going to go ahead and read chapter 4, 1 through 3. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I could spend I could spend all day on the, that, those three verses right there. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Well, obviously we want to think well he's obviously in prison and he's writing, but but why is he a prisoner of the Lord? Because he's sharing the truth. He's being persecuted for the truth, and, and we see today that's going to be more and more relevant to us as a prisoner of the Lord. And that's not a and that's not a bad thing. You know, that's what we need. We should be desiring to. I'm I want to be at fault. For sharing the word, we need to be. You know, we, we, when I was in the Marines, we always would say, you know, look in the mirror. You have enough to be, you know, be called guilty of being a Marine. You know, you have enough evidence to convict you of being. A Marine. Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Right? Are you going to be the prisoner of the Lord? Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Worthy. What? What is the standard there for worthy? We're talking about Jesus Christ's example. Worthiness that matches his. Are we going to match it? No, but we need to be thinking about that. That's who we're trying to please. We're not doing this necessarily for um, our, we're not necessarily doing it to earn our salvation, but to please the Lord. We don't, we don't walk worthy so that God will love us. It's because because he does love us, and we are motivated out of gratitude, not desire to earn merit. So it's just the fact that we recognize what he has done for us, and that we are just showing our love in return for him. Um, and here's a, in, here in the Western culture, and many cultures, uh, prior to Christianity, in, in verse 2, with all loneliness and gentleness and long-suffering, these are foreign terms for a lot of the, the macho culture we see today, but even prior to Christ, this was, these are all very negative things lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering. Um, lowliness has always been a, a bad association. In the minds of many, it still is, but for the Christians, it's a virtue. Um, in Philippians 2, 1 through 10, and this is a long one, but I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, in any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but be made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. So when we talk about lowliness and um, long-suffering and bearing love for one another, we have Jesus' example. We have the Lord who put himself down here on earth, suffered persecution, right? suffered the cross, but he did that out of a willingness of his heart and his love for us. He loved us first. He did the work. Um, that basically means that we can be happy and content when we are not in control or steering things our way. If we're following the Lord, men, you are exalting the Lord. And that's not always a an easy thing to do. I say said men because you know sometimes our oftentimes our pride gets in the way, and it's hard to turn over the reins to Christ. It's hard to you know let the Lord you know you know listen to that still small voice, listening for the Lord and lo- looking for the opportunity to, to serve Him and not serve your own ambitions. Long suffering, bearing with one another. We need, the, we need this so that the inevitable wrongs that occur between people and God's family will not work against God's purpose of bringing all things together in Jesus. Long-suffering as a spirit that doesn't lash out to take revenge. It basically means when somebody wrongs you, you know, long-suffering means I'll have grace. I'll have the grace that Christ shows all of us. Jesus had many opportunities, many reasons to be angry with us. And that's not to say Jesus never was angry, but... He has many opportunities. The Lord has many opportunities to be, you know, we, I'm sure we disappoint, we could disappoint them all the time. But that long suffering is in spite of those things, in spite of somebody wronging you. Are you going to demonstrate that type of grace that Christ showed each and every one of us? It is a characteristic of forgiving in a generous heart. And then concerning the unity of the Spirit, Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon states, we are confident that the unity is found in Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. We want unity in the truth of God through the Spirit of God. This let us seek after. Let us live near Christ for the best way of promoting unity. Divisions in churches never begin with the full love of the Savior. What was Charles Spurgeon talking about there? Well, in, in three it says, endeavoring to keep unity of the Spirit and bond of peace. You know, if we're approaching our problems with peace, grace, humility, love, you won't see, and he was, he's talking about church splits, you won't see a church split if it started with love. That makes sense? It started with our own selfishness. It started with a need to lash out. It's, it starts with a need for justice in, in our own selfish minds. If we start with love whenever we approach problems, whenever we approach our fellow, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, because we are one body, is we'll have a much better, a much more Christ-like you know, result. Um, four, four through six. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all and through all, in you all. Why is this important? 
when, when we start talking about, you know, different gifts, different ways we serve, um, we, you know, we were talking about, um, J.D. was up here talking about the different opportunities to be involved, and we're even at our last church meeting, we were talking about how we're going to go out there and do some more outreach, international, locally, or whatever. Regardless of what we're doing, regardless of what one gift one person may have, play the guitar, or another person may have to um, be kind-hearted and work with their children, or, or whatever the ministry is, we always have to remember these these four, these three verses here: one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're all here for the same common good, for the same common cause, to serve Christ, seeking after the same gift that He gave each and every one of us. And we're here to share that gift with this community, with family members that have yet, yet to come to Christ, um, and help each one another mature in Christ. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in um, you know, converting you know, non-believers to believers, we forget the part of just maturing as a body. That's why we got to be in those Bible studies. That's why we got to be sharing in the Word. We have to be maturing. And we can't be defenders of the faith if we're not readers of the faith, if that makes sense. We have unity because of what we share in common. In Jesus, we share one body, one spirit, one hope of our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one Father. If we are seeking after the Lord, we share greater common areas than any potential differences. Again, if we are sharing those things, those things that we share, the baptism, the Jesus Christ, our Father, we share that, that is greater, that will outweigh any differences that we may have. So when we're working with brothers and sisters, or we're working with, you know, perhaps non-believers or, or the public or whatever, if we remember this thing, who our Father is, the one Father, the one baptism, we remember who, who we all, what we have in common, it becomes much easier. Uh, 7 through 10. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. This, this, these three verses here, it, it pointed me, it got me pointed to Acts nine, or 1, 9, and I wanted to share that with you. Um, Acts 1 9 reads, Now when he, he had spoken these things while they were watched, he was taken up in cloud and received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up to heaven? This is the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, who will come in like a manner as you have saw him go to heaven. Two things I wanted to point out here. One, it points to Jesus. He, he's going to come back the same way he went, right? He descended and he, he ascended and descended. I mean, that's the one, uh, one thing. But when we're talking about how we should walk and what we should be doing, the, the, the two men here, they were staring up at the clouds, wa wondering what was going on. And this to me in, in my head, how my, my blue-collar way of thinking. It's like they're, they're standing there staring at the heavens, wondering what they're amazed at what they're seeing. And these two angels are saying, guys, this is the Lord. He's, he went up to heaven. He's going to be coming back. What do you need to, why are you standing here staring? Get to work. Start the walk. 
start sharing the word, spreading the gospel. And that's just a reminder of myself. You know, sometimes we get so caught up. Um, I do want the Lord to come back. I, you know, we pray, Lord, come quickly, Lord, quickly. Um, in the meantime, in the meantime, we need to be sharing the gospel. We need to be reading the gospel so we can share the gospel. We need to be defending the gospel. And the only way we do that is by reading and sharing in the fellowship. So it's just one of the things that we need to think about is our walk. What is our walk? It's not just Wednesday and it's not just Sundays. It's a daily thing. It is a, it's a, it's a, a, something we need to work on. We, I'm going to keep making this reference to body. It's a body we got to work out. You know, and sometimes we like to fill the body with junk food, but we don't. We gotta, we gotta eat right. And the, the, the only food we need for this body is the Word. Verses eleven through twelve. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He himself. He himself, Christ himself, Lord, our God himself, gave people these gifts. I was reading, a, um, and this is a sports quote, but it, it, it kind of rings true here. It's like to, um, to not give 100%, it's to sacrifice a gift. And if you have a gift and you're, you're a believer and you're not doing that gift, it's, you're, it's, you're sacrificing something the Lord gave you. Uh, that to me hit, hit me home. So I when it hit home to me. So whenever I, whenever I get the opportunity to do to serve the Lord, that I think is just inside my wheelhouse. Well, sometimes I, I, I don't. I gotta leave the thinking part out of it. But I just gotta say yes and amen and, and go for it. And my brothers and sisters will, in Christ will correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but but that's how we grow, right? This means Jesus established these offices. They are the work and appointment of Jesus, not men. Though pretenders may claim to them, the offices themselves are divine institutions and not human inventions. For the equipping of the saints are the work, or for the work of ministry. The purpose of these gifts of leadership is also clear. It is this, that saints, or God's people, might be equipped for the work of ministry. So that the body of Christ, who, be, who would be built up, would be strengthened. Um, Chuck Smith had, was quoted in saying, the primary purpose of the church isn't to convert sinners to Christianity, but to perfect the saints for the ministry and edification of the body. But to perfect, to mature. I, I, I kind of touched on that earlier. But, you know, to grow, right? It's, it's one thing to be converted, but then where do we go from there? Right? You know, that's when, when you talk about young, you know, new believers, or especially young adults, there's this, you know, there's this uh, their honeymoon phase, and there's like, well, what next? Well, that, that's, you know, that's something you need to be praying to the Lord about. What's next? What are your gifts? Are you in the Word? Got to keep working on it. Verses 13 through 16. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the body, the whole body, joined and knit together 
by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying itself in love. About the last time, last opportunity I had to, to teach, I, I was I referenced um, this verse right here, where where it talks about um, no longer being children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. Um, this is kind of that some of that junk food I was talking about, right? We're supposed to be filling our our body, this Christ body, with the good word, the good news. When we talk about you know junk food for the body, we're talking about every wind of doctrine, you know, stuff that you might see out, out there and. The, the internet, the um, that the headline grabbings, the you know the, the things that want to get they want to they want you to read the headline and then dive straight into the the, the commentary and and read all the, the comments and everybody starts picking at each other. That's that's wasted time. That is wasted time. If you want to draw close to the Lord, you need to be reading the Lord. The Lord's right here. It's not on Yahoo or YouTube or Facebook or whatever. The Lord is right here. And the best way to do it, if you're a new believer especially, you need to be sharing it, the word with the brother and sister in Christ. One of the things I love about, and I spoke about this last time, about the Bible studies is I get to ask questions. I get to ask questions that, you know, maybe maybe in front of the pastor or, you know, uh, maybe my children, whatever, I might be embarrassed to ask, but I ask uh, questions of the, the some of the more mature men in, in Christ, and I have my answers answered. Sometimes when we're, we're talking, Somebody may um, have a different idea or may be misguided about something that they read or whatever, and there's a, a gentle correction, right? I like to call it the velvet hammer, right? But that was we talked about iron sharpens iron. But that's why it's important. you got to be in the Word. That is the, the, the one source of truth. By clearly stating that this is a unity of faith, Paul did not command a structural or organizational unity, but a spiritual unity around a common faith. To a perfect, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the gifted offices and equipped saints brings saints to maturity according to the measure of Jesus himself. As the years pass by, we should not only grow old in Jesus, but more mature in him as well, as both individuals and as one body. And in 15, it's talking about speaking the truth in love. This speaks not only to how we are to relate to one another in God's family, but also how leaders and saints are to deal with deceivers. We should deal with them in love, but never budging from the truth. It's important. You know, sometimes I think as Christians, we err on the side of being kind. And sometimes erring on the side of kind, truth slips by, right? And and that's kind of a lie when we're trying to be trying to be too nice. I mean, we are trying, but that's where that coming in love and correction in love is important. And sometimes some of us, especially on the you know, depending on the subject matter, some of us don't have that ability, right? Somebody just got you, you know, that tweak. You're like, maybe you need to take it to somebody else and have somebody else that might be able to, ha- you know, handle that gentle correction better than you, you know. I, Lord knows I've had to deal with that. I deal with my own children, especially when younger. No, even now. Um, Cassandra, can you can you address this? I can't. I'm, I'm not gonna. I can't. I don't know if I can do it in love right now, right? So, and that's what we need to be ha- how we need to be handling each other, right? We're trying to build this body up to be more mature in the Word. And 16, according to the effective 
working by which every part does its work. The evidence of maturity that the leaders and saints are all doing their job is the effective working. This means every part and joint provides that it can supply in a coordinated effort. When this happens, naturally causes the growth of the body, but especially the growth of building up itself in love. If we focus, I, one of the things that we have a lot of conversations about is when we, when we, the topic of starting new ministries or outreaches or, or whatever, it's the reasoning behind it. Why are we doing it? Is it because it's fun? because we enjoy it, or is it because it's Christ-led and it's meeting a need that we think Christ would want, right? That's one of the, the, the things in, in, in church leadership that we have to be careful about is, is this something we want that because we feel it, was, or is this something that's just going to be led by Christ and it's going to glorify Christ and it's going to lead believers, you know, build the body up. It's going to add believers. So just uh, um, doing the, that, that check to make sure that we are – Doing something for the right reason is very important. And um, and it, early on with my relationship with Pastor Mike, one of the things he used to do all the time, that, or still does it, I, I'd propose something or ask a question, and I'd get, I don't know, let's pray about it. And as an early Christian, that drove me nuts, but now I understand it. I wholeheartedly, 100% understand it. And uh, some, uh, some of my students are starting to find out I'm starting to use that same thing too. So Sometimes, it's, honestly, it's, I don't know, and I need to be praying about it. And other times... I think I know, but I also know I need to probably pray about it and seek, seek, seek the Lord's guidance. And in 17 through 19, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk in the rest of the Gentiles, excuse me, no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. One of the problems that we have, and, and this is... Uh, I see it with you know new believers and young believers. Um, we we try to sometimes we try too hard to be like the world. We want to be cool. We want to be hip. We want to draw you know. Sometimes the intentions are are all right when they're trying to bring believers in, but they they want the world to be okay with the way they are in their Christianity, and so they change who they should be, and and that's that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're called to be Christ-like, not worldly-like. So that's one of the things that we always have to, as believers, as a body, we have to be on guard about. You know, sometimes, you know, and I do it, sometimes I, I get caught up watching maybe worship music, which is, you know, a blessed time, my, my own personal time, watching worship music on on, um, on YouTube, or I'll be watching a sermon, and I'm like, we, we should be like that, or we should be like that. No, we're going to be exactly however the Lord needs us to be here in Bluffton, or here in Ridgeland. We're going to be exactly however we're going to be with our worship team or with the teachers that the Lord has given us. We're going to pray and be exactly what the Lord needs us to be. Sometimes we don't have that answer, but again, that's why we need to be prayerful. We've got to be careful about not trying to be like the, the, the world to get the world accepted. The, the world's never going to accept us. It never accepted Jesus. And here Paul's writing, and he's in jail telling you this. Do not try to be like the world. Do not conform to the world. Not even a little bit. Uh, 
Um, in a- 18, it says, um, this is not to say that man in his rebellion against God is not capable of, um, so let me go back to the 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's not to say that men can't be intellectually smart. That's not something we're talking about. But in his rebellion against God, um, those achievements will be null and void. Instead, it's to to say that all such achievements fall short of true wisdom because of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's in Proverbs 9.10. I I teach a high school chemistry class, and um, that's, that's in a Christian school, and that's a real challenging that's a challenging subject um, by itself, but then also balancing and, and reconciling your faith. And um, one of the things that many conversations we have is what is the science being used for? But what is it there for, right? Is it there to create weapons of mass destruction? Is it there for to create renewable en- energy, right? Just because we're I- somebody's intellectually smart does not mean that they're Christ-minded or that they're necessarily good. Good is not enough to get into the Lord's kingdom. Just having the, the Lord of the heart, or the heart of the Lord is the, is the only way you're going to get there. And then 19 through 24. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all cleanliness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is was created according to God and the true righteousness and holiness. And when it says, when it's talking about the old man, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt we're not talking about the physically aged man. We're talking about the old person you were before your baptism, the old person you were before you came to Christ. We need to put off that old man and be working on that new man that we are. It doesn't matter what your age is, what your physical age is. We need to set you. Sometimes you'll hear um, believers, uh, um, new Christians, or even you know, people that have been in the faith for a great deal of time talk about when they came to Christ. They purged. They did a system purge. I think Mike Sullivan mentioned it a couple times when him and his wife went through and purged everything out that was not Christian. That's necessary. You know, that's putting that old man behind you, right? Working on that new man. Replacing old habits with new habits such as being in the Word. And that's a challenge for all of us. Doing those things that are going to glorify God. And in 26 to 27... Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place for the devil. Um, there's a time and place for anger. Like I said, talking about, they're rare. They're much more rare than we, we would like to think. You know, we can all come. We can think of things daily that draw us to anger. Um, and we've even seen Jesus get angry a few times. But that was usually when there was you know, someone was desecrating his temple, or you know. Or somebody that is, um, or he, he was protecting uh, somebody. But let's not pretend that we have like the wisdom and the ability to love like Jesus. 
we, and that's certainly something we need to strive to do. But the few times that Jesus was angry, he had you know the wisdom of the Lord with him, right? So uh, more often than not, we we need to seek counsel when we're in, in anger, and we need to be praying. Praying is always the first thing we need to be doing, even in our anger. And 28 through 32. Let him who let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now why did I, what is, what is being said here? Well, let's remember who's writing this. Paul. Paul, who used to be known as Saul. And what did Saul do? He was persecuting Christians. He was throwing them in jail. He, he oversaw the death of Stephen. Right? So if anybody understands this, and he's writing this from prison because of his own persecution. It, for me, it's, it, it's, it's, after I read something like this, I feel like I need to do my own personal inventory. Let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The person that is able to write this while they're in prison for the persecution, that's his prison. And that's kind of that's, that's a, somebody that can have that, that kind of heart and that sense for the Lord, I, I admire. And I when you go back to the beginning, you know, a prisoner of the Lord. I, I wouldn't mind being a prisoner of the Lord, right? If you're a servant, if you, if you, if you ever you know served for the Lord, or if you ever had to teach, or you know got called up last minute to teach, um, you kind of understand what that is. You, you you feel the calling, and you can't say no. You cannot say no. Um, and it, but we, if you're doing it in love, and you're doing it with, um, and not just good, good intentions, but you're doing it with prayer, um, you're going to be all right. But that's, to go back to, as a body, though, we got to be in the Word. We got to be in it more than Wednesdays and, and Sundays. You got to be in your own private reading, your own private study, and you got to be in it with uh, sharing and fellowship with one another. So with that, thank you for uh, putting up with me this morning. Um, Pastor Mike, he should be back here on Wednesday. Um, uh, we look forward to growing with you. And um, if you have any ideas as far as um, ministries or outreaches or you just need prayer, please come up, see me or one of the elders. We're more happy to join with you. Um, with that, let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. As a church body, Lord, we thank you. And just like we need to keep our physical bodies in shape, we need to keep our church body in shape. So help us to be focused on you, to eat the right foods that is the word for our spirit lord help us to keep you in our minds constantly keep you in our hearts constantly so that we can focus on you the one lord um, the one sacrifice that your son did for us lord and the blood that he shed we thank you for all these things in your name we pray amen